that connection to the HOA made us a preferred contractor. And, and now we're going to revamp the 12 miles of dirt roads in that neighborhood. So a $20,000 fence turned into a $1.5 million road job. What's up, Skid Steer Nation? It is your host, Ryan Deemer with the Skid Steer Nation podcast. And I got to say, it's December here in Illinois. I feel wonderful. And I feel like it's a great day to be in the dirt business. So for this episode, we've got a gentleman named David. He owns a company called Man's Tractor and Fence. And he's previously in the military, and he's got some obstacles that many of us don't have to face every day, and he's got a fantastic attitude on how to overcome those. Before we introduce David to the show today, I do want to ask all of you, if you've been listening to the podcast, you enjoy the content that we make, please make sure to give us a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening to it. If you're on Spotify, there's a little spot right below the logo on the page. Just click that. Give us as many stars as you think we deserve. And on Apple, just scroll down past the episodes and you'll see right there where you could leave the review. It lets us know that you guys are enjoying the content and we're heading in the right direction. So without any further ado, David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic today, man. Um, I'm having one of those days where you ha- you wake up in the morning and you make out your battle plan for the day. Yeah. And then the, fo- then the phone rings and the emails come in and you realize that you're not even going to have time to get to the plan today. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much that's most most of my day. So yeah, I, uh, I, mean it, I I run the business and I got a wife and four kids. So, you know, we uh we stay pretty busy. Yeah, so you you don't own any day, the day owns you. Cor- correct. Correct. <laughs> how do you how do you deal with that? Um, so I'm actually still active duty as well. So I'm in the process of transitioning out. So I spend usually half my day there. And then the back half of my day, I'll, I'll spend working. I got a full-time crew of guys who, who work all day long. Um, nice. So it, it, it can be a lot, you know, uh, I usually try to do, you know, paperwork early in the morning before the family's up. And, uh, that way they know what they're doing for the day and they're ready to go and they have everything they need, uh, or as far as like, you know, the crew and I can go, you know, do the Navy thing until, you know, I'm done there and, and then, uh, off to whatever job I'm working, um, or doing estimates, you know, you name it, one of a thousand different things. Yeah. Yeah. I was, that was going to be my next question is what branch were you in, but you, you said that you're in the Navy there. So first and foremost, thank you for your service. No, thank and you. How many years have you been in the Navy? Uh, 17 here in January. Holy cow. And you're going to transition out before 20, huh? Um, I'm getting medically separate, medically retired. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things, I mean, I guess we could talk about it now or later, but that's one of the things that you kind of put down is that you, you, you have a Parkinson's, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, I was diagnosed. Um, it's been about four months ago, uh, two and a, two and a half years of seeing doctors and trying to figure out, you know, kind of what was going on and, and what, the symptoms I was experiencing actually were, as as many people probably know, it is it's pretty abnormal for a 36 year old man to be diagnosed um, with Parkinson's disease, and it's pretty difficult to diagnose no matter your age. So um, it it was quite the journey, and then kind of figuring out what you know that's going to mean for you know ending of my Navy career. And you know what that means for the future for me. Um, so, so it's, I, I, it's one, one of the questions that comes to my mind is: Do you feel that the 17 years in the Navy has helped prepare you for this, so that you've got like that adapt and overcome, find solutions mindset versus becoming a victim of Parkinson's and just stopping certain things in your life? Yeah, I mean, for for sure, I, I would mm-hmm. say not just that. I mean, as a small business owner you know, that's something we experience every single day. You know, any small business owner will tell you that, you know, we say we have our good days and bad days, but realistically, you know, there's, there's no easy day. You know, every day is a battle and it's just, you know, how big of a battle it is and having the kind of fortitude and the mindset to work through that battle is, to me, what kind of makes or breaks guys who are successful 
and make it or guys who, you know, kind of crumble, you know, the financial aspect and are you profitable? And there's a lot of other aspects that go into that, but really the brass tacks of it comes down to, you know, are you willing to put your head down on the, in the dirt and, and, uh, you know, throw the shovel whenever it's, whenever you can't get an employee there or, you know, guys are calling in sick or you just have to get a job done. So you got to get out of, out of the truck and you got to get in the ditch and, and, and dig it. Yeah. And I think just to expand on that, I think the other trait I see in a lot of successful business owners, mistakes are going to happen. You're going to quote a job wrong, or you're going to take equipment somewhere it shouldn't go. Like shit's going to happen, right? That's life. But it's the yeah. ones that look in at the failures or the mistakes and it's and assess why they happen and then change their approach to their business and use those as a learning tool. Those are the guys that I see that become really successful. They're not repeating the same mistake over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, I did school and a lot of what we do in the Navy is, um, you know, project management, you know, process improvement. And that's what I did college for. So I try to, you know, apply that and all lessons that I've learned, you know, throughout the, you know, the last basically two decades in the service towards stuff like that, you know, and I, I talk to my guys and I, I, I think it's super important. And a lot of, I, you know, I'll say that I would assume that a lot of business owners don't necessarily look to their people to be part of the solution as far as, you know, getting them involved with coming up with the answer to the problem. Um, because when they answer the answer the question, when they solve the problem, when they come up with the new process, um, they're going to own that process and it's going to be better day to day instead of you just trying to jam it down their throat. Um, yeah. And like, just to expand on that, like, I think one, it gives them purpose in the business. Yeah. And then number two, the more purpose in the business they have, the more they're bought into your culture. Yeah. When you can align your purpose and your culture, like your team can literally become unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then the next part of that equation just becomes a, how do you, how do you keep the quality people beyond that? You know, and yeah. that's, that's the, that's the hardest. That's probably the the biggest, you know, issue I have at the moment is, you know, how do you hang on to those guys and how do you figure out how to pay them enough? And how do you figure out how to keep them, keep them happy, you know, for really just lack of a better. Yeah. Term. And, and honestly, David, like I've found in my personal experiences, owning businesses, we look for complex answers and it's the simplest of answer. Treat them like human beings, care about their personal life outside of work and support them in whatever they want to do and become improved in. And they, and like good employees that don't want to be a business owner, they'll stick around. Yeah. Like we start every one of our team meetings in the first 15 minutes is all about their kids, their family, their personal life, things in their life. And it took me like six months to get them to kind of open up. They're very uncomfortable talking personally at work, but now I've got a team like that they're all bought in and like, doesn't matter if somebody says, Hey, I see the work you're doing there. We'll pay you a little bit more to come work for us. They're like, mm, but I don't know. Like I've got a great gig, great culture. I get to be part of problem solving. I'm, I'm staying where I'm at. Yeah. And, and the other side of it too is, you know, as the business owner, we have to acknowledge that we're not perfect, you know, and, you know, I had a guy that was struggling and, and really just needed a raise, but didn't want to ask, you know, and um, basically it, it you know, it kind of came down to he was just he was ready to leave. And I was talking to him and, and really, that's all it kind of came down to. And I'm like, oh, man, that's 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 easy. You know, yeah. let's just fix that problem. And, you know, I've been at this for, well, a little over three years, you know, and we have to see our faults and understand uh, in that example that, you know, I have to be better at seeing when guys are doing well and, you know, Oh, Hey, it's time for a raise for this guy, or it's time for, you know, some extra, some paid days off for this guy or something like that. Or this guy's working too many days, you know, it's time to make him take a Friday, 
you know, yeah. pay him for the day and make him take it so right. he can go home and, and hit the couch and, you know, be with the wife and the family or, or whatever that might be. You know, it's easy to get lost in the the rat race of, oh, we're behind or we're super swamped with work. Let's work Saturdays and and not not think about, like you said, the personal lives of these people. So, yeah. And, and it really is as simple as just recognizing small cues in their personality and saying, yeah. hey, something's a little off today. And then take five minutes to talk to them. Yep. I mean, and that's I think that's one of the things we get so tunnel vision on our business and the projects and the finances and the banking that we kind of forget to look at the other people that work with us and go, something's not right with him today. You know, we don't know if it's family, business, money, like we should take recognize, be able to recognize that. And I think that's a big key to a successful business owner. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, something I've been working on lately is, you know, so we do, we do fencing residential, we do livestock, stuff like that. In fact, I'm, I'm at a, a horse ranch today, but, uh, is trying to make sure that even if I'm not going to work a job, I try and I'm working to get better at showing up to the job every day to at least touch base with the guys. Right. Cause because of the nature of my life, right. Where I'm still active duty and all that kind of stuff, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, the guys have what they need via paper, but, I might not necessarily, you know, look them in the eyes that day. So that's something that I'm trying to, to take a round turn on to get face to face time with them every day. So I can catch more of that stuff. Yep. So, and with today's technology, I mean, it's not that hard to FaceTime or video chat on Facebook messenger. Cause like, yeah. there's going to be certain days you just can't physically make it to the job site, whether it's a location requirements with the Navy. But it's still like even what you and I are doing, there's a better connection doing this on video than there is just a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. But, uh, you know, like I said, it just really comes down to it's really easy to be like, I'm, you know, I'm the boss man. I write the checks and, you know, I don't need to go out there or or, you know, what I say is what I want to happen and 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 not not see your shortcomings. And then in turn, you know, that disgruntles employees that makes them feel like, like you said, not a part of the team, not a part of the family and not a part of the process. And then, and then that's probably in my opinion, the quickest way you're going to lose that, especially a good foreman, that guy's going. Yep. And I, and I think I was like, I, this is the easiest way that I describe this when I work with business owners. I'm like majority of business owners worked excavation as an employee for somebody else. And it was probably the interaction with the boss, just like you're talking about. It's my way or the highway, get the job done. I don't care about anything else that made you feel irrelevant and leave that company. So why in God's yeah. green earth, that as you get successful, you become the guy you left. Yeah. Like you have to be cognitive of why you left where you were at to start your own business and then be aware not to become the same boss that you left. Yep. And, and it's, it's super easy to sit here and say, <laughs> super easy <laughs> the actual um execution of it is you know an everyday challenge again like i said every day is a challenge it's just a different challenge um that you got to figure out how, how to you know take yeah. on and, and be absolutely right and i really think like turning the radio off on the drive home and just giving yourself that space to be like hey how did the day go how did i interact with people it just keeps you self-aware i mean I, re I recently had it where one of my employees, I was very distant, like, hey, you know what you're doing. You don't need my guidance. I don't need to bother you. And like, we just didn't talk for very little interaction for a while. And then finally, I'm like, her performance is dwindling. And it was because I, I was letting her alone on an island. So once yeah. I started bringing her back in and being a part of that, asking more. And I, but, and I started the conversation with, like, hey, Mercy, I know that I have not been engaged with you enough the last three months. This is my fault, right? Like I'm a firm right. believer in, um, I think Jocko Wilnick calls it, you know, extreme ownership. If every problem that happens with your business is your fault, then you can find a solution for it and you don't blame anybody else. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that's, that's a big tenant military wise, you know, like just ownership of what you do and just, 
taking it on the chin and moving forward. You know, it's, it's, uh, it shows a lot of, a lot of, uh, it just shows your people a lot of who you are and, and what you're willing to do to, to take care of them. So, yeah. Like if, if your crew augured holes for a fence and they were six feet offline, you can be mad at them for not being in the right place, or you can look at yourself and go, what, what on the plan, the print, whatever I provided them wasn't clear enough that they knew exactly where it went. And like, that's the difference between extreme ownership, right? Like, obviously I didn't give them what they needed to be precise instead of blaming them for being six feet off. Yeah. Yeah. And team members love it when you're like that. Yeah, no, yeah, totally agree. Um, Especially new people, especially new people. Yeah. So when you hire new people, do you hire for experience or do you hire for cultural fit? So this is, in fact, I was just talking to, you know, my foreman about this earlier this morning. You know, I got a, a foreman and a assistant foreman or whatever, you know, however you want to kind of put that. Um, and they've gotten to be really close and good friends. And um, but hiring the third guy has always been the problem. You know, that guy has been the guy that's come and gone. It's been really hard to find someone that jives with with two guys that are that close. So I'm having to really look at when I hire a a guy, you know, what are they interested in? And so that is, that is a difficulty. And honestly, I prefer for like that spot. I prefer to hire somebody with, with no real experience, right? I I need somebody that's safe with a saw that uh, isn't going to cut their hand off and that can follow instructions that's willing to follow instruction. And that's really probably the best guy for there. And then you got to find the personality fit. But uh, I mean, even still, you know, it's, it's really easy to talk to somebody and think, you know, a little bit about who they are and, and uh, how they're going to be. But, you know, two weeks on the job says, says a lot as to far as, you know, how they're going to fit in. And, uh, you know, we've had struggles and uh, people have come and gone because of it. But uh, it's it's an employees are a challenge um, that I never I never thought <laughs> it was going to be the challenge that it is. Yeah, if they could only put them through a boot camp like they do in the military and like reprogram them. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's it's, you know, when you're just working with, you know, you, personality experience they're working hard. They're working in the heat down here in Georgia. They're working in the heat. Like it's, you know, it's just, it's hard to mesh all that up and, uh, and make it work. Nope. Absolutely. It is. And we've, we found that a lot of guys that when they audit their interview process, they realize that a lot of the questions they're asking the potential employee is how can you make my business or my life better? And like they, you know, and you get, canned answers like oh yeah i'm 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 never late to jobs or i take a lot of pride in my work and and instead when we start asking those the same questions in a different approach like tell me a time in your life that things went wrong at work and the and the solutions you provided to fix the problem right like it's it's still like hey are are you accountable yes i am well now give me an example of that yeah. You know, when they started asking different questions like that, they could get a better feel. Like, why did you leave your last job? Was it about your boss or money or like, and then, then they find another question later in the process to bring the boss back up. And if they talk bad about the boss, like that's an instant no, like, cause they're, they're blamers. Yep. You know, so it's, that's what I've seen a lot of guys that when they grow fast and they have trouble with employees, they just audit their interview process and find different ways of asking the same questions to get more engagement and get a better read on those people before they hire them. Yeah. Because as you know, uh, David, if you hire the wrong employee, he can erode the culture of everybody else in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, One person. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, that was, that was like year one and a half to, just into year two that we had a, a guy in place that was kind of running the crew and, and that's exactly what we were experiencing. It it took me, it took me too long to see it. And um, yeah, it, it hurt us for sure. And as a business owner, and I'm guilty of this myself, like 
when that guy's running it wrong, you, we look at it like, Oh, if I fire him, then I got to take over this aspect. And I like my life, my life's easier, even though he's not the right fit. Yeah. Instead of just, instead of just going, you know what, we're going to, going to start over and get the right guy in here. And. Yep. Yeah. And the, and the idea of training <laughs> someone, especially when they're, you know, like a, a crew foreman or something, you know, it makes it hard because you have to train them on all your expectations, all your building standards, you know, all your processes and that kind of stuff. So it, it's, it's a daunting process, but, uh, sometimes it's got to happen. Yep. So. No, absolutely. That's true. So you said you do primarily fence work. Um, I would say we're 50, 50. Okay. What's the other 50? So we do uh land clearing, forestry mulching, um, you know, ditches, culverts, driveways, that kind of stuff. Uh, over the last year, I think we've kind of hit that 50, 50 mark. Okay. Um, but, uh, we, we originally started out as just a little tractor service. You know, I, I, yeah. I bought a tractor. I was looking for a way to keep it paid for. And I was brush hogging and grading driveways and I just spiraled out of control, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, three years later, I got, you know, a couple pieces of equipment and, and, uh, we're doing a lot of things. And, yeah, yeah, three employees and all that goes with that. But um, yeah, we do. Uh, in fact, what we're doing here is we put in basically the lady has th four cascading ponds and uh, she had a culvert from one pond to the next collapse and a contractor came in and just filled in the hole. Uh, so obviously that made the pond back up. So we put in a gigantic culvert. It was in her main drive. Um, so we've been trying to get that finished up and doing some other stuff to help her property drain so we can finish mulching it for her and do a bunch of livestock fencing for all Very of our horses. Nice. Really, um, we kind of got into the land side because we needed to be able to clear fence lines and it was easier for us to do it when we were there, you know, kind of added revenue. And we didn't really, we had a small mulcher for a, a 75 horse machine just to do what we needed to do but then it was just hey while you're here doing that you want to just mulch this other 10 acres and we couldn't keep up and so went to a bigger machine you know went to a, a little mini x with a, a boom cutter stuff stuff like that so it's trying to you know be strategic uh, we do some partnering with other companies in the area so that you know we can complement each other type that, that way we're not, you know, nowadays with the cost of equipment, the way it has gone, um, you know, in the past two years, you just can't buy everything. So um, you got to work together to be successful. And I'm hearing that more and more from guys I talk to, like they're really like they're not networking with realtors, insurance agents, general contractors. They're networking with other excavation company owners in their area. Yeah. And the ones that are doing that, I feel like are busier than the ones that aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Like a good friend of mine, uh, Shane Matthews with SPM. He, um, you know, he's got a big 210 excavator. So I turned around and bought a big bulldozer, you know? So, yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll partner up on jobs and, and we can go in there and again, compliment each other and we help each other be successful instead of just cutthroat, you know, competition. Um, Cause then nobody, nobody's successful because then you're trying to cut prices and all that kind of stuff and nobody's making any money customers aren't getting what they need and um and we we me and him have actually walked into a lot of that recently of hey this guy left me high and dry can you help me clean it up and so we're kind of doing a lot of that recently yeah as yeah. long as there's a weekend warrior there'll always be customers that need corrected work yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we got a, a few of those guys around here, but we, we got a, a re a bunch of them that do great work, you know, but there's, there's a few that don't. And in fact, there's a few that I, I throw work every now and then too, that or I'll have, if I need a second mulcher somewhere, I'll, you know, I'll call and, mm -hmm. or if I just have a small job that I know I'm not going to get to quick, you know, reasonable time, I'll just, you know, toss it to them or something like that. But yeah, it's, uh, Really, for me, in my 
opinion, the weekend warrior is not necessarily the work quality that, that hurts the industry. It's their inability to properly price work. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that makes it hard. And you hear about it in every market. I mean, it's not, not specific to Georgia. It's nationwide. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm just such a big proponent of value stacking, you know, in your estimates and letting your customer know your process and people yeah. pay for people pay for that. Man. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. They'll really pay here in my area. We have a, a kind of a contractor culture of lack of accountability. Um, people don't show up, people show up an estimate, give you an estimate and then just, they call you to hire you and they just never call them back. You know, like, I don't understand a guy who somebody calls him like, Hey, come do this job for me so I can pay you some money. And they just don't call them back. Like that doesn't make sense to me. doesn't make um, sense but, to why they went and did the estimate. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's rampant here. So just knowing that you're going to come just know, you know, being on social media where people can see that your work quality is, is absolutely a must here. It's huge. Um, because if people just have, trust issues with with contractors in my area like i said you know we're i'm going saturday to bid a job that's a 40 acre land clearing job the guy cut all the trees left her a big mud hole in 2001 and he's never oh, been wow. back yeah. yeah yeah he keeps telling her it's too wet i mean i have a hard time believing it's too wet for two years three years right you know just so he did the easy work. Now he doesn't want to do the hard work. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. it's that's uh, crazy, man. I mean, I, I really think this industry, if you are committed to communicating with your customer, showing up when you say you're going to show up and leaving the property as if you own the property yourself, it's hard not to be successful. Yeah. And the, the other one I'll add to your list there is there's a lot of jobs out there that aren't easy. And uh, there's a lot of guys out there who just want to toss the culvert in the ditch for the driveway. You know, like this one's a great example of that, you know, trying to take elevations to make sure that the big pond doesn't flow into the little pond at the end of all this or that the little pond doesn't back up and fill her house, all that kind of stuff. You know, she had three guys out here to look at it and none of them ever even call her back because they they want they want to do the easy job that's quick money. They don't want to have to put all the effort and the time that it takes to to do something as complicated. So so come at being willing to come in and take on jobs like this. You know, we're gonna be back here for you know the next two years doing stuff for her because we were willing to take that extra step to to make sure she was taken care of in the first place. Yep. Uh, and and I think what you just said there, three guys looked at it and never called her back. Like, even if it's not in your wheelhouse, call them and tell them like, hey, this isn't the type of work we typically do. I'm not comfortable that I'm going to be the right contractor, get you the results that you need for your specific pond. I do know a few guys in the area that might be good for that. And then we could always work together if you need the land clear. Like, You could still get the other work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, something like this, this is not something we've ever done before, you know, but we were just up front with her, like, hey, this is this is a new monster for us. So we're gonna do the research and we're gonna, you know, talk through it and you know, use every resource we have and work with you to make sure we're, you know, meeting your expectations and we're gonna take our time. And it's gonna cost a little more because of that, but we don't we're not just gonna roll in here with an excavator and rip a hole in your driveway and and drop the culvert in the ground and and roll out and hope for the best and pray to Jesus uh, it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because we don't want to be back here digging it up, and you don't want us to be back because she had to shut down her business for two days. Right, it's on the main drive. Wow. Uh, so she don't want to do that again. And you know, so like I said, just kind of being willing to to take on a challenge that you now taking on a challenge that you can succeed at, right? Like, like you said, you know, if it's, if it's not something that you're going to be able to, to accomplish correctly, you know, don't do it. But, or uh, be willing to 
understand that you need outside mentorship or research and be humble enough to accept it and ask for it. Because I think that's a lot of things business owners struggle with is they don't want to be weak anywhere. So they hide the weaknesses instead of saying, hey, I need help with this. Well, and and that circles us back around to the discussion of, you know, businesses helping businesses, right? Yeah. Reaching out and partnering with, you know, your competition because maybe they have experience there. Maybe you pay a consult fee to a guy who's in your area doing the same work you do, but you get a, you know, you get this job done together. And again, the customer gets what they need. Everybody is successful. You know, two people's names are out there, you know, that they're doing good work and uh, it's good for the industry. It's good for the area. It's good for everyone. Yeah. Cause as you know, David, it doesn't matter if it's your business or the guy down the street, if somebody does a poor job, the bad taste in the mouth isn't about ABC excavating. It's about excavating in my town. Yep. But you're hesitant to hire anybody after that. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely true. So the most successful all of you are, the better the imprint you have in your community. Yep. Yep. And then whoever they do hire is going to, whoever they, or if they do go out to hire someone else, they're always going to think that, you know, they're going to, always think they're too expensive, right? They're always going to wrestle with something, right? Some, there's always going to be big hurdles to that guy, you know, getting through whatever it is. Um, you know, I always tell people, hey, you know, cleaning up someone's mess is rarely cheaper than uh, doing it right in the first place. And it's super unfortunate and you feel awful for the people, but it's just, just kind of the way it goes. Well, yeah. I mean, we don't buy the cheapest car. Yeah. You know, but when it comes to excavating and dirt work, it seems customers always are looking for a deal and the deal always bites them in the rear. Well, I I think that's contracting in general. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I see that probably more in the fence work side of things than I do in the excavation side of things, because you know, I could be wrong, but people think that, oh, I don't have a skid steer, so, you know, I can't do this work. But a lot of people are like, oh, I could build a fence. So why am I paying that much, you know, yep. for somebody to come do it? And they don't necessarily think about the value added. You know, you know, we drive all of our round fence posts for our livestock fence, which uh, allows you to maintain a 25-year warranty on a post, right, on a wood post. If you set them in concrete, that warranty is void. So all the low-cost contractors are setting those posts in concrete. And so you, like, I always try to convey like, Hey, you're giving up a 25 year warranty on all of your wood posts so that you can save $2,000 now. Right. You know, like, is that $2,000 worth the loss in value that you have in that fence? Yeah. And it's just so, finding the right way to articulate that to the customers. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not- and, and part of that too is, uh, again, our equipment cost has has changed so substantially. Um, I think maybe we're coming back off of that, but you know, you you got the you got guys out there trying to make do with what they have because stuff got so expensive there for a while because you couldn't just couldn't buy it. You know, so they're they're tr- you got probably had more guys trying to cut corners maybe i don't i don't really want to say cut corners but trying to make do and get stuff done um because they couldn't afford to go buy new stuff we'll we'll call it finding unique solutions yeah yeah that's good <laughs> well and it's funny it's like you're looking at expanding some of the services you offer as a business and i kind of found it humorous but last week like so my like kim on my team schedules and manages all of the podcast interviews so typically until the week of the interview, I really don't know who I'm interviewing because I just like to stay focused on some other projects I'm working on. So I called you last week because you've been looking at augers and bits. Yeah. And then you told me on the phone, like, yeah, we're talking next week. And I'm like, oh, we are. And you're like, yeah, I'm doing a podcast interview with you. And we started talking, but like you're like you were you were doing the research for the equipment you needed to start offering new services for your business. So you were you were two steps ahead, not waiting until you needed it, but like trying to figure out what the acquisition cost would be versus what you can make with the services. And I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at trying to add pole barns, you know, mm-hmm. the, the metal truss pole barns over the, maybe the next year, kind of 
see if there's you know money money there or not but uh, again that adds another kind of layer of employee challenge you know having a crew for for doing that kind of stuff um you know different equipment so it's there's a there's a, a good investment there that has to be made to make it happen and a logistical aspect uh, that has to be uh, looked at so yeah i've been trying to study up on that and you know kind of get smart on some of that stuff to see if it's worth jumping into this at the, you know, at the time. Yeah. So I'm curious, like what is it in your market or what have you been seeing with the customers you're interacting with that makes you feel pole barns is an avenue you should explore? So it's a big, it's a big thing down here. Uh, Homesteads are a huge kind of, I don't know, niche down here, or if it's just kind of a social kind of push across the nation I, I don't know how far it expands but uh so our kind of company you know outlook is we want to be you know your homestead builder uh, minus your house so we come in we can clear your land grade fence pole barn stall water systems stuff like that so that to us that's kind of the next step so we can you know get people's you know coverage for their equipment that kind of thing yeah. Uh-huh. So that that's really kind of where that has evolved from. I think that's wonderful. And I think the simpler you can make it for the customer, the more they're willing to pay. So if they only have to deal with you to prep everything on the property to get ready for a home builder, and they don't have to find a grading guy and a pole barn guy and a fence guy, like if you're 10, 15% higher than those individually, they're cool with it because they can just pass it all to you. Absolutely. Every time I go out to look at, you know, a mulching job and they're like, oh, you do fence too? Like, yep, we can get Mm -hmm. it done. And, you know, the the job just expands, right? And and the guys are like, man, I hate these huge jobs because we see the same thing every day and every day and every day. And I'm like, yeah, but we're not moving equipment. We're saving fuel costs, right? We're, We're not having to hunt materials every day, you know? So, you know, a lot of fence companies work on high volume, right? Lower costs. Whereas because of the nature of our services, we work on a much lower volume, which again, because of my life and this, you know, what I have to do every day, one, that makes it much easier for me to manage. But two, I like that we build a relationship with those customers, right? Like most of those customers, you know, I've become friends with, and, you know, we talk on Facebook or on the phone or we're are absolutely repeat customers, you know, because we spend a bunch of time out there, you know, they're out there walking around with us and we're also kind of making their dream a reality, I guess. Yeah. For, you know? And so I like that relationship building aspect of it that, that we get, um, you know, kind of with doing those type of projects. And if you're going to be successful in the residential area, like that has to be a key. Like you have to enjoy that because if you want transactional, you better go be a subcontractor because people want yeah. that relationship with the people that are building their dreams, their dream property, their dream house. And if and if communicating and building that relationship is a struggle for you, then you're going to be ran out sooner than later. Yeah. Yeah. And we do subcontracting too. Like we do silt fencing for some builders you know, some excavation, some grading and stuff like that. It's just not a huge part of our company. You know, like I said, I, I'd prefer the, that personal connection with the customer, kind of trying to figure out the problem that they're going to bring us and how do we solve it and then solving it for them and seeing, you know, seeing how happy they are when it's correct. Yep. You know, so it's like that. If you ever run, have ever run a forestry mulcher down, especially down here in Georgia where it's just a vines and a mess, you know, it's you know, you I always try to, down there, don't you? Um, it's more um, muscadine vines and just just trash plants. I don't yeah. know. But uh, like if I do a small lot, what I'll do is I'll usually just kind of punch a little hole and I'll go in and I'll mulch it from the back forward. Because you then when you're done like this, it's more of a advertising or kind of an off factor kind of thing. Because then you punch it out and it's just this clean lot, and um, the customer just kind of you know can see it then and they're just like wow, and it, it's you just kind of get a wow factor there 
kind of like making a video or something like so, that. So you purposely work backwards in the field so that you get the wow factor on the last pass and they don't see the incremental change across the field. Absolutely. See, I love that. I love that. It's it's just changing slightly in your process to get a better connection with the customer. Yeah. And how cool is that? And, you know, there's if they got kids, they're always standing at that back door watching, right? Like yeah. so, you know, customers are always wanting to see what you're doing. And like I said, especially this is really just more on like smaller lots where they're watching you and they can see you back in there working and stuff. But uh every time when you come through and they can see it, they just walk out and they're like, Wow what a yeah. change and and it is i mean it is it's a huge difference um, when you can't physically walk through the woods or the bushes and then and then it's just nice and clean and you're not leaving you know huge sticks and stuff on the ground you're leaving them with a good result and then that's when you get text two three four days later like hey i gave my number to or i gave your number to <laughs> four or five of my your, my neighbors because you know, they saw what happened. They saw my yard and it was how awesome it was. And because they're going down there and telling them, Hey, look, look at how big of a difference this made. And it wasn't that much money, you know? Yeah. Like, Do you, you put know. yard signs up at finished projects like that? Like another project completed by man? We're not great at it, uh, Yeah, but uh, we have them. I put them up if it makes sense. Like if it's on a, random dirt road yeah that, in the middle no um but like yeah stuff like that we do a lot of our hoas in the area don't allow fence signs yard signs or anything like that so you can't leave anything behind but a lot um, of those hoas if you build a relationship with the board will put out email blasts to the other members in the hoa for you yeah and um we have preferred contractor lists in mm -hmm. a bunch of them and we're we're on a bunch of those so if when they call the HOA to find out about how do I get a fence built? And they're like, Oh, Hey, these are our, you know, preferred or approved contractors. Um, things like that. I mean, it, something like as simple as I, I went in and build a fence for a neighborhood that is like 30, 40 acre lots. Right. And that fence led to cutting a right of way for a power line and that connection to the HOA made us a preferred contractor in that neighborhood and now we're going to revamp the 12 miles of dirt roads in that neighborhood you know so uh, a twenty thousand dollar fence turned into a 1.5 million dollar road job that's awesome yeah just and just by that human interaction and connecting you know the dots between people and being there when you're gonna say you're gonna be there and uh Leave doing quality work, I guess. Yeah, I th I feel like HOAs are overlooked by a lot of contractors. Like they don't build the relationships with them to get on that preferred list. I don't even think about contacting HOAs. Well, I I don't think they're overlooked. I think they're looked at as like just another pain, you know, yeah, just another pain that I got to deal with or wait for or, instead of being know. looked at like a partner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they can be used to be successful. I mean, there's a bunch here that uh, like if if you get a complaint because you're driving too fast in the neighborhood. Yeah, they'll bar you from the neighborhood, you know, and you can't even get through the gate, you know, so like you got to be you got to be definitely careful with them and and have a relationship with them because it could it could eliminate an entire neighborhood from you being able to work. Right. And again, it just goes back to clear conversations. What are the expectations? What are the things that myself and my crew need to be aware of in the neighborhood instead of just doing business as usual, then getting mad because they don't like something that, the way you do it. Like, yeah, you know, yep. Hey, it's a privilege for us to be in this neighborhood. Let's act like it. This is the rules that they gave us. Like ask for them in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Like no work on Sundays, no work right. after 6 PM. There's, there's a few of those running around, you know, so. Right. Just be aware of it and and just support it. I mean, that's a lot of work that you can get kicked out of otherwise. Yeah. So, huh, man, I want to kind of circle back real quick. Like with your new diagnosis of like the Parkinson's, like how has that adjusted your three and five year plan for your business? Like, are you, have you been doing a lot of thinking about how you're going to attack this company moving forward? Honestly, at the moment, I haven't really yet. Yeah. It's still pretty new and um, 
trying to kind of get my bearings as to, you know, how, you know, what I'm, I'm going to be affected. Like, uh, you know, I have reduced grip strength. So swinging a hammer is not really uh, my forte anymore. But, uh, you know, getting in there and running the sticks on a machine is is no big deal. So really more than anything, I've had to deal with some memory issues, right? So I have to really make sure I write everything down and just kind of adjust what I physically do more than anything. And I, I'm up front with the guys like, hey, you know, that's just I can't like I can't lift and carry a bunch of bags of concrete. Just can't do it. Stuff like that. Um, well, but over well, overall, it's it's with the medication I'm on, the effect is relatively minimal at the moment. Yeah. Well, I just want to clearly state how grateful I am that you brought that up, that you're dealing with that. I mean, one so that we could talk about it. But two, I think there's a lot of guys, a lot of business owners that are dealing with things that they just go, oh, I can't overcome this or I'm tired of this battle that they can go, wow. My issues pale in comparison to what David's working through, and he's got a go-to attitude, and he's finding solutions to a lifestyle change, not just a business problem. And so, I think it can be motivating to others too. So, I just wanted to thank you for being open and honest about that and sharing that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, I've said it a couple of times. You know, every day is a battle. Some days I shake worse than others, and in turn, you know, I just kind of have to take it easy and. I I try to do more admin work those days and just to kind of adjust my schedule to accommodate. And um, like I said, as long as you're upfront with your people about, you know, what's going on, um, they tend, they understand. Um, I think for the most part, if you got good quality people. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just another, it's just another challenge you got to figure out, you know, it's just a broke down machine. It's just a flat tire. It's just just another one of those things you got to kind of overcome uh, and yeah. move past. And I I can't stop visualizing like what we expect life to be, which is like a direct forty five degree angle up, always getting better. And then what life actually is with the big crevices and potholes and like it's not a straight line to success, right? Like there's gonna be yeah. challenges and knockdowns. So you talking about this, like, hey, it's just another challenge we got to work through. I'm like, oh, you just hit a little pothole in your road to success. And now you got to figure out how to overcome it and keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if anything, it kind of motivated me more because it's going to basically because of the way I'm going to retire from the military, right. It's going to cut the amount I get paid in my retirement. So because I'm going to get paid less money retirement, it kind of motivated me more to build faster, build, you know, to to grow and uh, to push the business to, you know, provide better. If so anything else, did you have to give yourself a day or two to like have that little? I, I don't know. I called a pity party for myself, but like to be like seventeen years in, so close to the twenty-year finish line, like how upsetting was that for you? And like, how did you cope with that? Well, so there's there is a chance that I make it to twenty. There's there's a bunch of different regulations out there that maybe there's a chance. Kind of, I'm saying there's a chance. Um, yeah. But uh, it's really my, you know, really minuscule. Um, so originally, I kind of thought that there was a good chance, and it kind of slowly showed that it, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so it was slow enough of, over time that I kind of just eased, 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 accepted it, and saw that it was going to happen. So I mean, yeah, there's days where you're like, man, this is a big waste of two decades, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, realistically, I'm going to have benefits. I'm going to have, you know, health insurance for my family, you know, through the military to to supplement. So, like, you know, there is going to be a return on investment of that time. You know, my kids got the GI Bill, so every they got, you know, time for school and stuff like that. It's, it, it wasn't a waste. And it, to be honest with you, it provided with me with a ton of tools that I'm using every day. It also made me grow when I was young. It was absolutely the right answer for me as a, as a young man, um, to grow into a, an older man, <laughs> the right way. A mature. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah, I had a few days where I was like, man, screw this. This is, 
this is stupid and i just wasted you know the large large majority of my young life deploying and all this stuff for nothing and uh, uh but yeah as i've kind of reflected on it you know i've realized you know you can see all the bad or you can see the good and uh the only way to solve the problem is to kind of see the good acknowledge the bad and uh and and move forward yeah there's a silver lining in everything that happens to us we just have to be aware and look for it yeah so that's that's awesome well i love that you're i, lo- I mean i think you've got an amazing attitude you know i think you've just from our short conversations I think it's exciting to see how you attack business, both doing it yourself when you need to do it, and then building out the structures and the process on the back end so you can be the most efficient. Um, and your and your your customer service and the connections you make with the people in your community. I mean, if those three things, if every business owner did that, you'd have tough days, but you'd have a successful business. Yep. And we're still growing. We're still so young, you know that. It's, it's, you know, we're still in that five year, everything's touch and go. Um, so, you know, we just got to keep, keep our nose to the grindstone and keep moving. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you, it sounds like that's exactly what you're going to do. So, man, there's a lot of good, a lot of good advice out there for other excavation company owners, whether they're starting out or in business. And like, cause we all have days where we just struggle. Like I talked about those pity parties. I kind of yeah. have time limits. Like if it's something small and minor, and it frustrates me I didn't get done right. I give myself five to 10 minutes to like be pissed, quit working, argue, yell, whatever I do for myself. And then at that time frame, I'm like, all right, that's out of the way. What's the solution? How do we move forward? How do we fix the broken process? And then larger yeah. problems. Like, like we did, we did an event and it was, the outcome was awful. And I gave myself a half a day where I was just like, I just need to like, let it, let it leave my body. And then we can reapproach and get back to basics and grow the business again. Yep. <clears throat> Yep. It just like we, uh, we're boaters. So we, you know, put the camper at the lake and we go and spend the weekends at the lake. And that's kind of my, I get on the water and kind of let everything go. And we just kind of play and have a good time. And that's, that's how I kind of unwind. Yeah. I, I think unwinding is extremely important. So yeah, we used to do a lot of camping ourselves. And, um, this last year we just, we've been so busy with taking care of my parents before they passed away she took a new job at a startup company like we didn't get the camper out once i got she's like is it winterized i'm like it's winterized from 2022 like we didn't we didn't use it once so yeah we don't have to winterize down here yeah you guys are lucky down there man we got to buy the arctic package and everything the extra insulation and the bottom and yeah we we don't have to mess with none of that so yeah, well, that's awesome, man. Well, David, thanks so much for taking time. I know you got a busy schedule and you got to get back out there to uh, oversee those guys. But uh, thanks for taking some time out of your day and joining us and sharing your story and, and your tips and what's worked for you in business. Yeah, I, I appreciate you all having me. Um, you know, I was excited when you guys reached out. So, um, you know, thanks again. And uh, that's, that's really all I, got, I have to say. <laughs> all right. Well, it's our pleasure to have you on the show. And if you're out there listening to this and like you've got a unique story or something that you think that our audience would appreciate hearing, don't hesitate to reach out. Head over to Skid Steer Nation. Send us an email. Let us know. In fact, I just had a guy this morning call me because he wanted to be a guest on the show. So we love hearing that. Make sure you hit those five-star reviews, four-star, one-star reviews, whatever you want to give us. Hopefully it's five. That's how Spotify and Apple shares us with more people so that more people can hear us and we can share this content with a larger audience. Yeah. So David, thanks so much again. And until next week, guys, keep grinding.